Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 for the talk today. Luke chapter 17. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, there's four books in the New Testament toward the beginning, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those all contain the story of Jesus. So if you're new to the Bible, that's a great place to start. Luke's one of those books. Um, To get us started with an opening thought, uh, up on the screen, picture of my family. I would use this as an example of people that I'm in the closest and most long-term relationships with. Uh, But if you don't like the idea of the family thing, we also, most of us, have close friends. Here's a picture of a friend of mine. His name's Carl. We were golfing uh, a couple weeks ago. He took this shot. I've known Carl for 30 years. He was in my wedding. I was in his. Long-term friendship. Great guy. I use, and then we'll split screen and show these. I use this as uh, just to begin with the idea of these are some of the people that, for me, I have and would... Uh, do, I want to say, almost anything for, right? They're my committed, most committed uh, friendships. There are other people I could put on the screen as well, but it's an example. And I thought about some of the sacrifices we make for people that we're committed to. I thought about my kids. Some of you have had kids. And think of what we've done for our kids. Anybody want to think about that? All of the stuff and the way we serve and help and sacrifice. It's because I love them and I want good things for them. So I was thinking about all the things that we do for the people that we're in relationship with. But also, I have to admit, every once in a while, there's not something I do for them. There's something that I did to them that wasn't great. You could call it sin. It's when we make mistakes that hurt the people we love. I got some specific moments in time where I remember like, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. Uh, Maybe you've heard someone teach that you should never discipline your children out of anger. I blew that a couple times. So some of you are judging me right now. Thank you for that. I just know I did. I know none of you have. Ha! Anyway, does that make sense where you think, oh, wait, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that was totally in love, you little rat. I don't know that I ever said that, but out loud. I never said that out loud. Um, one time I was, this, is, I, this has got to be, I think, one of my worst parenting moments. My son and I were working on some sports. At pra- we were practicing. And uh, he wasn't paying attention the way I thought he should, so I threw the ball at him. Man, I'll nev- I don't think that I'll ever forget. Immediately I knew I screwed up. And I, I knew, like, and I asked forgiveness so quickly. But I knew that was bad. And uh, more recently, uh, pretty sure failed my wife. We have kind of a thing, if I'm going to plan an out-of-town meeting, we typically run that past each other, right? Because we're married, and that makes sense. So I was in a conversation just this last week, I think it was, and I said, she said, hey, could we do this on Tuesday night? And I said, oh, I'm out of town Tuesday and Wednesday. And she said, she said, you're out of town again? 
And I realized, I don't think I floated those dates past her. It was, it was bad. She was fairly kind. Uh, and she didn't actually say it. She didn't say anything that, here, how about this? She didn't say it hurt her, but I knew when I said it, oh, I, I messed that. I messed that up. So those are things that I have done. Those are examples of an idea that I'm bring, trying to bring into the room. Even in our dearest relationships, sin happens. Do you agree? If I put your pictures of your friends up on the screen, there would probably be things you would think of, man, this was awesome and that's great. And if we think very long every once in a while, you'll remember like, oh yeah, but this happened. Just so you know, the Bible includes uh, relational pain and disappointment and sin in the Bible. I, I'm guessing that Adam and Eve, after uh, sin entered the picture, Adam might have been a little frustrated and thought, darn you, why'd you eat that? And she may have said, well, why didn't you say something? They're right? Likely, specifically, there's a really unique story about a guy named Abraham and his wife, Sarah, in the Old Testament. Let's see, it's in Genesis 16. And this is going to sound weird, but it happened. Sarah so wanted to have a baby that she says to Abraham, here's the plan. I want you to sleep with my maidservant, and then she'll have a baby, and we'll raise it as our own. So she says to her husband, hey, I want you to sleep with her. He says, okay. I, I doubt that he said it that way. But so he does that. But if you read a few more chapters after that, then so the, the maid servant has a baby or gets pregnant and things are just not going like Sarah pictured. And then she totally blames Abraham. And she comes to him and says, why'd you sleep with her? And I wonder if he's like, because you told me to. Why? I can't win. What do we, what do we? So there's just stuff in the Bible. There's another one in Genesis where two brothers, the younger brother, so he deceives, just gets, re, he's really devious, and he ends up manipulating his father so that he can take all of his older brother's inheritance. My guess is that caused some friction. Even in the New Testament, top-notch Christians uh, two Christian leaders, Paul and Barnabas, in Acts chapter 15, it says they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. So all that brings up a question. When conflict happens in our circle, what do we do? What should we do? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're in a series called Friendology, Doing Relationships God's Way. And today we're going to explore some guiding principles for when sin, uh, friction happens in our relationships. We're in Luke 17. Here's what we probably need to know before we read the text. Jesus is well into his earthly ministry. He did public ministry uh, for about three years, so he's well a couple years into it. He's teaching and healing. A lot of Jesus' teaching would fall into one of two categories. He would either teach to a lot of people, and he would use word pictures or parables, and there were stories with meaning. 
But there's another side of his teaching where he would pull his disciples aside, usually, and he would speak really clearly to them, and he would say, here's what I want you to do, or here's what I don't want you to do. And this is one of those moments where he's admitting to his, dis his disciples, yes, previously to this, yes, I'm going to save the world, but you're still going to have to deal with sin in this life. And we'll pick it up in verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble, some translations use the word sin there, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent... Forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. I'm going to do verse 3 and 4 again because that's where our principles are going to come from. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day. And seven times come back to you, say, I repent, you must forgive them. So the title of the talk today is When a Friend Becomes a Foe. And we're going to look at a few principles on how we should react when friction, sin, pain comes into our relationships. Let's pray. It's going to happen. Uh, Lord, you know it. Gosh, Lord, you know the next time there will be friction or pain or sin in, in our relationships. And we pray that today you'd give us insights to prepare us, that we might respond well. Um, Holy Spirit, I got some things I think you want, us, want me to say, but mostly we need you to be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text. First one is this, when sin shows up, selectively confront, selectively confront. You can write that on your handout, or if you're using the app, you can fill it in. From verse 3, you probably noticed it, so watch yourselves, if your brother or sister sins against you, Rebuke them. It means address it. Confront them on that. Now, we're going to get there, but before we get to the, oh yeah, we're going to jump on that and fix them, I want to pay some attention. It's why I have selectively confront. There are actually, before we get to the rebuke part, there are some qualifiers that help us so that we're just not tearing into everybody all the time. And so I want to give you three things. They're not filling the blanks, but I just want us to notice some words in the text. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you. So this word in the original language, it's this. It's members of the same religious community, especially a fellow Christian. So this is not a blanket. If someone sins against you, rebuke them. There's a specific context 
for this. So that's helpful. Another qualifier is if your brother or sister, I, I'm probably going to dwell on this for a minute, sins against you. Not everything that we disapprove of is necessarily sin. Everybody say sin, right? Sin is a different, sin is a different thing. It's defined by God. It has more to do with what God has called us to do. And it's just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean that we should confront someone. Example, I was walking through the park. I think it was Monday. Beautiful. This, was this, a, this is a great fall. Walking through the park. Not a lot of people there. Guy came up to me. Never seen him before. Not sure I ever want to see him again. He, he, he was, we were crossing and he said, hey, I just had nose surgery yesterday. How does it look? He came way too close to my face. Just to be clear, it looked like he had had nose surgery yesterday. He went on. Why does this stuff happen to me, Pastor Steve? I, he came up. And, and then he was, then I, I'm sure I was going, uh, and he was, then he came, came closer and he's just describing, do you want to know what they did? I'm not sure I do. Then he was talking about, well, my nose has been broken several times and I won't go into it. I thought about like putting a picture of an example on the screen, but here's, here's the deal. He ruined my walk in the park. It was strange, but here's what I would say to you. He didn't sin. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, oh, yes, he did. No, wait. <laughs> and if we're going to understand the context, be followers of Jesus, there's, it's really important, I think, for us to understand that just because something is, causes discomfort in me, we still have to discern We've got to discern, is this a sin or is this just an uncom just, just a preference? Is this just a cultural thing? And that will really serve us well. I'm going to risk a little bit here. We live in a culture. Some of us might live in friend groups where people might get very passionate about issues and confront or rebuke, I, I, I'll, I'll say it another way. Some of the things that we should be rebuking culturally, we just give a pass on. Sexual sin, ignoring God, dishonoring people, you know, we're like, oh, we don't get, but other things, people will go ballistic over what you what you post or didn't post, what, remember, anybody remember, uh, I think it was called COVID, remember that thing? Where you, you could get, you know, if, oh, if you were wearing a mask, you could get slammed. If you weren't wearing a mask, you could, like, all, remember some of those things, and it will serve us well, I got to go on, it will serve us well as Christians to remember, what should we pay attention to and confront and address? Let's just ask ourselves the question, is this sin? Or is this just preference? And can we go lightly on the jump all over everybody's case? Side note, I guess I'm not really moving on. For some of you, for some of us, we have got to grow. That sounded aggressive, didn't it? We've got to grow up. Just because someone is disappointed in me doesn't mean I should change any of my behavior if it's not sin. Does that, 
<laughs> Thanks, Corey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people, I got, okay, yeah, we'll probably go on at this point. Amazing. We're talking about qualifiers before you confront. Uh, the last one is if your brother or sister sins against you. And this is basically the qualifier is don't get involved in somebody else's business too quickly. So the takeaway from this initial idea in this first point is not all relational discomfort merits a response. Not all. Sometimes it might be a little weird, might be funky in the room, but, it, but just it's okay. By the way, a, a word or a challenge to some of us who are kind of aggressive. Jesus Christ came to the earth. He knew every sin and situation and mess. He could have looked at a massive crowd and known every dirty, immoral thing everybody did, every weird thing everybody did, but he rarely started the conversation with, I'm gonna, by the way, I'm going to beat you up about this. And I, does that make sense? He only took out a whip one time when he went into the temple. That wasn't his first go-to. Aren't you glad that his first go-to with us is not always, ah, saw you did something wrong there. Okay, so now let's get to the next part of the first point, which is there are times that from the text that we should confront, address, or rebuke. So it's in verse three, right? If your brother sins against you, rebuke them. So there are times, here's the command, if they said we should address it. Let me give you three ideas that will help us address it well. The first one is do it personally. Don't gang tackle someone who sinned against you. Just do it personally. Go one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. That's where you start. The second hint is do it calmly. Do it calmly. James 1.19, super practical. By the way, if you're looking for just a really easy to understand, practical book of the Bible to read, the book of James. It says everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. And then I've never dwelled in this next verse from a, in a talk I've done. It says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I might not be using this verse uh, right, but when you think about it, as soon as we get angry, usually the productivity stops. And so what we're trying to do when we confront or, or, or address things, we're trying to produce righteousness in each other. We're trying to say, hey, that's a sin. That shouldn't be doing that. We're trying to make things right. And when you get anger in it, it just tends to take away the productivity of it. So do it personally. Do it calmly. Uh, the last is a challenge. Do it for their benefit. Yes, we should do it sometimes to protect ourselves, or for other folks. But if you want to have a great heart, try to figure out how you can do it in such a way that it helps them. By the way, if a person is caught in a sin or they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, it's not helping them. 
Does that make sense? It's not helping them. If you want to see a great example in uh, the Old Testament, in 2 Samuel 12, there's a story of a guy named Nathan who is called by God to confront a guy named David, who was the king. And if you want to study this, it's 2 Samuel 12, if you write that down, 2 Samuel 12. And Nathan does a phenomenal job of sharing a word picture with David so that at the end of the confrontation, David gets it. It's like David actually sees. By the way, it wasn't David's norm to do the sins. He, was, he ends up, uh, commits adultery. He lusts, commits adultery, takes the woman uh, for his wife, kills her husband. It's really bad. David does bad stuff, which is not the norm for David. But Nathan shares the confrontation in such a way that David gets a reboot spiritually. And David says something like, I, he says, I have, this, I'm, I'm pretending he said it with passion, I have sinned. He, the self-reflection works. Pray that if we confront someone, that it's, that they get it. Oh, to have a bunch of friends that would help me see my sin and help me get it. That would be helpful. So the first idea from the text is when sin shows up, selectively confront. And the second idea, when sin shows up, abundantly forgive. Abundantly forgive. Verse 4, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive. Now, I want to stop and ponder this challenge Jesus is bringing our way. I think it's easy sometimes to read the Bible, oh yeah, seven times, so we should, we should be forgiving. This is a striking picture because it's even if they come seven times in the same day, I think he's talking about the same sin. So remember when I really should talk to my wife before I schedule a meeting out of town. It's a pretty good principle we, we share together. This would be like at 8.30, I'm talking to my wife and I were in a conversation and she says, hey, what's going on next Tuesday? Oh, I'm out of town. And I forgot to tell you, will you forgive me? She would say, yes, I forgive you. And then this, according to what Jesus is saying here, and then like at 10 o'clock, I called her. Hey, babe, how are you? Good. She said, what are you doing? Oh, I was just scheduling an out-of-town meeting. Oh, and I already put it on my calendar. Oh, sorry, that's not part of the plan. Will you forgive me? I should have called you before. And, but will you forgive me? And she would say, Yes, sure. And then later in the day, over lunch, I would call my wife. Hey, babe, how are you? Good. And she would say, hey, you scheduling any out-of-town meetings without you? And I'd say, oh, God, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I forgot about that. I just did that again. Because so-and-so just called, and she would go, what? And then I'd say, will you please forgive me? And if you can imagine a day where then at 1 o'clock, the same thing happens, and 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock, the same thing happens 
all time. And, we're, and, and every time, hey, will you forgive me? And she would say, <laughs> and then I would get home. So that was only six times, by the way. And then you get home at 7 o'clock and you're having dinner and someone calls and they go, hey, Mark, could you do this thing when you're out of town? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. What's the date? Yeah, it looks great on my calendar. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Oh, honey, you know what I just, you know what I just did there? I, will you forget? Do you see the craziness of the picture that Jesus is putting in front of us as followers? So here's my take on this incredibly high bar for forgiveness. Here it is. Jesus is using an extreme example to highlight a necessary skill. That's what I think is going on here. <laughs> so, sorry, by the way, if you're sinning against the same person seven times in a day, stop it. Just a little takeaway there. Like, we should, that, we should stop that because that's, we should try to stop that. Okay. But Jesus uses this example. And here's where, and this is where we're going to close. This is the idea, I think Jesus is emphasizing, if our relationships are going to work, we are going to have to get down this skill, spiritual discipline of forgiving each other. We're going to need to do it multiple times. My observation is most relationships don't go south because of a blow-up. Most of the time, there's a kind of a slow burn. There's like, oh, there's, a, there's this smaller thing. Oh, I think I had some. Most of the time, it is not because they do one giant unforgivable sin. Usually, it's small sins that they've done that we should have the capacity to forgive, but we didn't exercise the discipline of forgiveness, and so it becomes a bigger, 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 bigger thing, and it wears us, it wears us out. By the way, Jesus consistently challenged us, directed us to be very, very forgiving people. I'll finish up with a few verses. This is from Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. How many things, if you're in Christ, how many things has Jesus forgiven you for, my friends? Seven? Teen? Hundred? Do, do we need to dwell there? Yeah. And he's saying... We should be forgiving like God has forgiven us. Matthew 6.15. If you, boy, this one is sobering. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We should pay attention to this forgiveness stuff. Matthew 18, 21. One of Jesus' apostles, one of the disciples, a leader, he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus just raises the bar. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 
Forgiveness, it's huge in our relationships. So I won't do the last fill in the blank yet. Let's just recap. When sin shows up, selectively confront and abundantly forgive. And with that in mind, the last fill in the blank is, is there a sin I should repent of? Now this is for those of us, because that's part of the message here in the text is the person repents. Is there something that you're doing, you've done, think of your sphere of influence, your relationships. When's the last time you went to them? Now, I would argue, I don't know if I have time to do this. You want to, you if we want to create freedom, peace, and relationships, use the word, I have sinned, will you forgive me? I won't go into the teaching about that, but use, use the question, will you forgive me? Don't just say, I'm sorry I did that. Include, will you forgive me? That passes the relational ball into their court and they get to decide then whether they will or not. If they do, the power of God comes into that situation and makes, it resets things. There is power in forgiveness. Is there something I need to repent of? And for others, is there something I need to forgive? Again, why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.